Griffin. This time on School Dia, Chad and Clint talk about educators in the news. The greatest time of year for teachers. And what is bringing us joy in Dad Chad. Okay, enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Clint, loving life on summer vacation. And this is Chad, two weeks out, feeling fine. Welcome to the last full episode of the school year of School Dia. The podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. And anything else we can come up with. We are here for you. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers and anyone else tell your friends find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch, but without all the complaining. We don't complain. We just try to ensure that your hierarchy of needs are met so you can find (laughs) self-actualization. Okay, so the phrase, there's no such thing as bad publicity, has been around for years. And it basically means that getting your organization in the public eye, for good or for ill, will always help out the organization in the long run. Yeah, and we take issue with this idea, at least in education, because we've gathered together a couple of educational news stories that certainly are not going to help out the people involved in any way. (laughs) For our first news item, I will refer you to the world of school rivalries. Chad, what's the worst thing you can think of to do to a rival school? Uh, Well, probably the worst thing would be to burn it down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's... That's true. That's a little extreme. That's a pretty good one, but uh, it's yeah. it's wrong, actually. Uh, burning down the school is one thing, but the answer is secretly pooping on the rival school's track and football field <laughs> on a daily basis. Okay, you're right. That wins. Uh, so here's the poop scoop, and this comes from USA Today earlier in May. New Jersey police have charged Kenilworth Public Schools Superintendent Thomas Tramaglini with relieving himself in public early Monday morning after school officials reported finding daily deposits of excrement by an athletic field. Tramaglini, 42, was issued citations on Monday for public urination or defecation, discarding and dumping of litter, which I think is a great phrase, and lewdness. Holmdel High School staff alerted a school resource officer and athletic coaches that they were finding human feces at or near the track and football field on a daily basis. The SRO or the school resource officer, along with school staff, monitored the area and was able to identify a subject responsible for the acts. And then People Magazine adds that Tramaglini served as superintendent of Kenilworth Public Schools in New Jersey, a neighboring school district to Holmdel High School. Wow. So this guy was basically dropping deuces on the rival school as a superintendent every day. Man, that is some school spirit. The spirit stick indeed. (laughs) You know, the thing I can't get over on this is that the school resource officer had to investigate and do a stakeout to see who was leaving this on the track. That would be quite an adventure in itself. Oh, gosh, I would not want to do that. But I guess he just felt he had to do his duty. (laughs) You're the worst. (laughs) I kind of admire the superintendent's regularity. He's he's got quite a routine going on. Yeah. He also had to be really quick on the drop. (laughs) He must drink a lot of coffee and eat a share of bran muffins to prepare because I don't think that I could just be running along, do my worst, and then yeah. and then just keep running. I, I, would, I would need some time. Yeah. That had to have been a pretty uh, well-thought-out routine. Timing is definitely critical there. I, I'm wondering if he maybe had it on his daily calendar, like 5.15, begin run. 5.45, <laughs> crap on the neighbor's track. 6.15, take a shower. 7.30, budget meeting. 
Yeah, always number two on the agenda, right? Oh, but enough about this super pooper. What have you got? Oh, man. So there's a meme called Florida Man that usually has links to weird and wacky news headlines about crazy stuff that people do in Florida. Because humidity makes you crazy. And apparently teachers aren't immune. A Florida science teacher has been suspended for running a signal jammer to prevent his students from using their cell phones in class. Oh, genius. Yeah, when I first read this, I was like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about this for years. <laughs> uh, CBS Tampa affiliate reports that Dean Liptak was trying to get students to focus on lessons instead of their phones. Also, totally understandable. Right. So this is what happened. Officials say that he activated the jammer in his high school classroom for about three or four days. He later told a school district investigator he never intended to cause problems. He said uh, he thought the jammers were allowed as long as they weren't intended for malicious purposes. He apparently did ask both the sheriff's office as well as like the local police department. Oh. And they all said it was fine and it was not illegal. Apparently it is. It violates federal law. Okay. Verizon had come to the school saying that someone had a jamming device because the cell phone service was being interrupted in the area. Oh, wow. So, of course, the cell phone company is the one who's not pleased about it. But uh, <laughs> Big he, shock. He did get in pretty big trouble because apparently it violates a few federal laws to Oof. jam cell phones. So when I first read this, I thought, okay, I can see someone doing that. I know most teachers are pretty frustrated with cell phone use, and I think everyone has a one point or another suggested using some sort of jammer. But this guy has a little bit of a past. This wasn't his first time in hot water. So here's a new, different article. Okay. Same guy. Same guy. Okay. The fate of Florida science teacher Dean Liptak is unclear as parents express concern over violent questions that involve propelling students and driving over babies. What? <laughs> According to WTSP, the high school teacher in Hudson, Florida, assigned test questions like, a 50-kilogram student has a momentum of 500 kilograms per meter per second as the teacher launches him toward the wall. What is the velocity of the student <laughs> heading toward the wall? <laughs> All right, here's the next test question. A northbound car with a velocity of 100 meters per second ran over a baby with a momentum of 800 kilograms per meters per second. What is the mass of the car? Wow. So parents came and complained, and uh, I think he got in a little bit of hot water for that one. So this guy has been in the news twice. I am a little surprised. Well, and maybe he's not at this point, but I'd be a little surprised if he was still teaching. That's pretty crazy. I saw a little bit about this guy. I saw his name, and so I decided to look him up. He still holds a license, and he's still on his district's teacher page. Wow. So, yeah, he's still working there. But that's not the only thing I discovered as I was looking things up. Do you know what he did for a living before he became a teacher? Maybe he worked at Radio Shack? <laughs> you would think so. But, no, he was a professional wrestler. <laughs> yeah. He was one half of a tag team with his identical twin brother, Dave, who is also a teacher in Florida now. Oh, man, this gets better. Yeah, they were called the Power Twins. Oh, that's awesome. I'm thinking maybe a few too many blows to the head made him think that these ideas yeah. were actually good. Well, if you ever come across a weird story that is so unbelievable it has to be true, please share it with us. Shoot us an email at schooldeapodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also post your stories on our Facebook page at SchoolJapod or add a comment on our website, schooljapod.com. And now, a word from our sponsor. The Dance Partner 3000 is a proud sponsor of Schooldia. If you work in a middle or high school, and if you've ever had to plan or chaperone a dance, you know the entire process can be a real drag. First, you have to publicize the event and sell tickets. Then you have to hire a DJ and decorate, which can be time-consuming and expensive. Finally, you have to find adults willing to volunteer three hours on a Saturday night to keep an eye on a bunch of crazed teenagers. Teaching is tough enough. Who needs this added stress? That's why the people at Robotonics developed the Dance Partner 3000, the all-in-one robot that plans 
trains and executes school dances almost entirely without the need of a human adult. The dance partner comes ready to work right out of the box. Simply turn it on, choose from one of the 1,000 pre-programmed dance themes, and watch it get to work. Dance Partner 3000 efficiently completes the unwanted tasks of advertising, ticket sales, decorating, and even cleanup. Better yet, Dance Partner is fully equipped with a state-of-the-art speaker system and dance club quality strobes and lighting. Plus, it adapts to the latest music trends and your audience to give your school dance a rockin' DJ experience. Worried about student behavior? The Dance Partner 3000 is programmed to break up inappropriate student dancing, call parents when students misbehave, and is even even equipped with its own breathalyzer and drug identification technology to keep your school functioning clean, sober, and fun. Check out these real examples of the Dance Partner 3000 at work. What's up, y'all? Welcome to prom 2018. Who's ready to party? Excuse me, you two. Your dancing is grossing everyone out. Please stop. Hello, Mrs. Jones. This is the Dance Partner 3000. Your son came to the dance wasted, and he is going to jail. Thank you. Good night. So next fall, when your school prepares for the annual homecoming dance, discover the peace of mind that comes with the Dance Partner 3000 and get your Saturday nights back. Welcome back. It's finally June, which means teachers across the country are limping toward the finish line to the promised land. In other words, it is either almost summer break or it is summer break. It's a time to take a break, slow down, and retool for the next school year. We talked last episode about summer jobs and side hustles, and we're not going to rehash that conversation. But we do want to talk about how we deal with the summer months to get the most out of them. So first of all, I've just survived it, and you're heading into it now. One of the most difficult parts of the school year, which is those final weeks of school, yeah. they can be tough. So what do you do to survive? Oh, man. I have to admit I do count down. Part of that is for planning purposes to kind of remind my students how close we are. More for like, hey, we got to make sure we finish strong. Not so much like we're almost done and party time. <laughs> I put one up for party time. Right. I think for me, <laughs> so I don't go insane because as the, you know, the closer you get, it feels like it slows down even more. I think a big thing for me is just trying to keep like a sense of normalcy with our classes because I think if you really start spending too much time kind of dwelling on the fact that you're two weeks out, I find that the kids do get a little bit more antsy. You mentioned earlier planning and how planning is super important. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've discovered over the years is that if you don't have a good solid plan for what you're going to do with that last month uh, and you don't kind to share that with the kids ahead of time, it can become really easy to laze your way through it. And if the kids can see, oh, there's this stuff that we're going to do and that will impact my grade, that tends to help them understand a little bit more of why they're continuing to work. My kids are in elementary school. Well, two of them are. That's not true. One of them is in elementary school, but the other one was in it last year. Uh -huh. And their end-of-the-year routine is really different in that it seems that is the time for every field trip ever in existence. <laughs> like, my kids are going on field trips every other day, it seems like. That'd be another way to deal with this. If you have an opportunity to take kids out of the school, that's something that they can look forward to and they're excited about. And you could still have educational experiences, but not necessarily doing the same old, same old that you always do. For sure. So how about this, Clint? Once break starts, what do you do to relax and give yourself the much-deserved break? Well, one of the things that my family does is we try to take at least one week-long vacation. Mm -hmm. And that vacation is usually something like camping or we take a road trip somewhere. We try to do it as inexpensively as we can, but we like to try and get out and go see things and just get away from the house for a little while right. and get out of the routine a little bit. 
But the other thing that I do is I try to do something to my house. We try to do home improvement projects over the summer. This year, we're going to work on our back deck and get some windows replaced. Mm -hmm. The windows, I do not feel comfortable trying to replace on my own because I don't have the expertise. I'm going to hire somebody to do that. But the back deck, that's going to be a project that I can work on that gives me an opportunity to work with my hands and to think about things that are different than teaching. That I have found to be really, really helpful. Kind of like restarting your phone when it's getting laggy. That's (laughs) sort of the situation with my brain. What do you do? Well, you know, it's real similar. We always try to schedule a couple, probably not week-long trips, but we have a few kind of traditional summer trips that we like to do. We There's a water park about two hours north of where we live that we, we always like to try to go to. We, uh, we'll try to go to Seattle for a day or two and maybe watch a Mariners game or spend some time up there. We have done a few Disneyland trips in the past, and we kind of spread those out over three or four years just financially, but also kind of as our kids are at different stages of their life. My parents live a couple hours away. We always try to go see them. We always have one kind of big home improvement project that you know, we always put off till the summer because we are teachers. And so during the school year, when things come up, there's a lot of lists made that are, hey, let's make sure we get this done in, in the summer. But as you know, the summer is never as long as you imagine it's going to be. And it's really important for me, too, that I don't just spend the whole summer working my butt off because that can happen. You know, um, you, you make that to-do list and it starts getting pretty big. And, and next thing you know, you're working around your house from 8 to 5 and then it's the end of August. <laughs> One of my goals is always to, make sure I'm done by two o'clock in the afternoon, no matter what we're doing, and then have time to hang out with the family. And then the other thing for me is I'm a football coach. And so I start three, four weeks earlier coaching football than many teachers do getting back into school. And while that's kind of a curse, because I've always kind of said that my summers are definitely not as long as others, it's not like I'm working full days uh, doing football, but it, it definitely limits like your ability to go on vacation and stuff in the month of August. The thing that I've really liked about it, though, is it kind of like gets you acclimated to getting back into the school year you know you're starting to see kids and you start kind of getting around the school and and it slowly gets you back into that routine which is which is really nice right and that's nice because once you start seeing the kids it starts to get exciting again because for me when august rolls around that's when my brain starts to switch back into planning mode and i start using my summer to get ready for the next school year i often have plans of things that i would like to change from one school year to the next and i use my summer to go through and get all that figured out because you know i usually get up earlier than my children do uh-huh. and so I can get up spend a couple hours on the computer right. get some things planned and then go spend the rest of the day hanging out with the family yeah. or working on projects yeah. Uh, I tend to try to think big picture items. I am not the kind of teacher who likes to have super detailed day by day, here's what's going to happen every single day kind of plans. But I like getting those big ideas, the units that I want to cover, taken care of as much as possible over the summer. It makes the rest of the school year a lot easier. I need to have one big new thing that I'm kind of excited about that I'm going to try or do uh, as I enter a new school year, something that gets you excited and motivated to, to get moving. Because I feel like if I was just going to continue where I left off in June when I was exhausted, and if I knew I was just going to basically start that over again in August, I, I think that would be kind of not a whole lot of fun. Uh, how much time do you spend going into the school? school over the summer. When I leave in June, I don't think I would have ever come back into my room during the month of July for any reason, unless I like left something in my room. For me, I I think the best way for me to recharge is to be away from the building as much as possible. I remember as soon as I was allowed back into my classroom when I was in Astoria, I would go in and get everything like decorated on the walls and, and move things around so that it was in the position that I wanted. Now that I'm in Roanoke, they don't really let you in very early. And that means that I have to do all of my 
my preparation at home so that way when I get into the room, I can really make sure the physical facilities are exactly the way that I want them. You know, I think as long as you feel like you're going in and that's making you excited about being there and it still allows you to recharge and, and, and be ready in August, that's fine. If, it, if you're feeling it's like an obligation and it's adding more stress to your life and you're not getting that break from work, then it's not okay. I didn't really go in during July very often. I would go in in August, but I loved that I could go in for a couple of hours and then leave and go do other things. My mom, who I, I know I've mentioned was a first grade teacher for many years, she shared with me a story once that I think it was the the first job she ever had. She, I think, was maybe hired over the summer and the spring and didn't realize that she could come in before the first day that teachers came back. So she didn't realize that that was, you know, an acceptable practice. And so, I mean, you're, you're talking like a first grade teacher. I mean, and you have seen first grade classrooms and the amount of work and time they put into every corner of those rooms are set up specifically for certain things. And she came the first day that, you know, that teachers were back. So she had probably four days four or five days to get ready before kids and so there's there's another tip for first year teachers make sure you check with your administrator and if you can come in early in july and august make sure you do that <laughs> especially your first year or if you're moving classrooms yes. or you're doing something yeah. where it's you're in a new environment one final thing that i want to talk about i think it's really important with your last couple of weeks of summer is to figure out fairly precisely what you're going to do as far as routines in your classroom yeah because the first month of school sets the tone for the rest of the year. And if you can have the kids know what their expectations are and you have set up how you're going to deal with assignments and you know exactly the way that you are going to deal with discipline and all that other stuff, if you've thought all those things through and you are consistent that first month, then the students, they're going to fall into line. They will do what you ask them to do as long as you have it well thought out the first time. If you're constantly having to change your mind, things start to fall apart. I have about four or five things that have not been as successful as I'd hoped this year, and I know I'm going to change them. But I've learned over the years that you may realize in January that this isn't quite working. And there's certain things that to try to flip them mid-year, it's just it's not going to be effective. And so you kind of just make a note of it and say, well, definitely when we start the process from the beginning, we're going to do this differently. And we're just going to ride this one out for the end of the year. You know, some things can be adjusted, but there's other things you say, hey, make a note of it and make sure that you make that change come the next year. Well, what are your favorite summertime activities? Find us on Twitter or Facebook at SchoolDupod and join the conversation. And with that, it's time for a word from another of our sponsors. Today's episode of SchoolDia is brought to you by LunchLock. It is a well-known fact that everyone has to eat while at work. It is equally well known that communal refrigerators are highly vulnerable to snack hackers, those who would steal your carefully selected string cheese, ham sandwich, and honey crisp apple, leaving behind only your sad, stale saltines and a bag of baby carrots. Well, no more. With LunchLock, the world's first food-based security system, you will be able to rest assured that your lunch will be waiting for you when you want it. Using similar technology to the fingerprint ID on your phone, your LunchLock lunchbox knows if it's you. If it is not, a taser-like charge will course through the handle, rendering the thief unable to move, let alone chew on your sandwich. An alert will immediately be sent to your phone, along with a photo of the perp lying prone on the floor, so you can identify and publicly shame them. Lunch Lock. We protect the most valuable asset in any teacher's day. Welcome back to our third and favorite segment of the show, Dad Chat. Dad Chat. 
It's a time for us to reflect on the things that are making us happy. Chad, why don't you start us off? All right. Both Daphne and Griffin are both involved in our t-ball and softball. And I volunteered. I, I say that loosely because my lovely wife said, Chad, you're going to coach Griffin's t-ball team. <laughs> and so I said, yes, that was my volunteering. So I'm coaching uh, a t-ball team. Now, Griffin uh, is five. I believe the, the league that we are in is going into kindergarten and currently in kindergarten kids. If we have anyone that listens to this podcast who is a kindergarten or preschool teacher, you are the most wonderful human beings on the face of the earth because this is going to take everything I have to make it through this. I mean, they are cute kids. They are great, but I, I know it's a cliche, but the whole expression of herding cats could not be a better way to describe what it's like to have 12 <laughs> uh, five-year-olds on a on a t-ball team. I mean, you tell little whoever to stand here and you literally put an X on the ground and say, stand here. And as soon as you look away, you turn back and they're, they're gone. They're literally gone. Mm -hmm. Like not just somewhere else. It's like, where did he go? <laughs> um, and we have like blackberry bushes around the field and there's like beehives in other <laughs> sections of the field. I don't know where these children are. And then they're throwing hard balls towards each other and they have metal bats that they're swinging. I mean, what could go wrong here? It's totally safe. No, yeah. So it's been fun. Uh, I'm sure by the time the season's over, we will be much more kind of in line with, I mean, but it, it is adorable too. I mean, just running to first, the things we take for granted in terms of just, you know, understanding the basics of a, a sport like baseball, which is very complex in terms of like, why do I tag people with the ball? And why do I touch the base with my foot? And why do I have to run to second base if I'm on first? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we don't really even spend a lot of time explaining to them. Just if they can run to first and then they know to run to second, that's a huge victory for many of our kids. Also, the eating of the dirt, um, laying in the dirt, that seems to be a lot more exciting than actually playing any sort of t-ball. Anyway, it's a ton of fun, but it's also, I, I guess I'm, what I'm really getting at is for you younger age teachers, you guys are amazing. It blows me away when I do walk into like a first grade classroom. I mean, you are child whisperers. It's a, it's phenomenal what they are able to do with these with these little kids and in terms of just getting their attention and getting them to move in the same direction altogether. And I feel like I'm a pretty good educator and I feel like I'm pretty good at explaining things, but uh, boy, it's a different world dealing with high school students and, and five-year-olds. It's a lot of fun. Well, I'm excited for you. I have a t-ball story that I'll share really quickly. When I was about Griffin's age, I was on a t-ball team and we didn't have a tee to practice with at home. And so I found something that I thought would be suitable and set it up in the backyard. It turned out that stacking five mason jars on top of each other, glass mason jars, <laughs> and then putting the ball on top was not a wise yeah. choice because I'll tell you, I was not very good at hitting the ball and I mostly hit the tee. And so I spent a lot of time picking glass out of the grass. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, That's it was, funny. It was a bad choice. Well, for mine today, I'm going to talk about something that actually happened a week ago and that was we had a pretty major rainstorm come through. Roanoke is very different from the West Coast in that winters here are very, very dry, like almost Eastern Oregon kind of dry. Then the springs and the summers are pretty wet, and they're not constantly wet like uh, like Astoria was, but when the rain comes, it comes with a vengeance. There's a tropical storm that's coming up called Tropical Storm Alberto, and it is not hitting us, but it is bringing a lot of tropical moisture up into our area. Just like a week ago, we had six inches of rain in some parts of our valley in wow. just one one day. That's crazy. Yeah, and there was flash flooding, and I had never seen what flash flooding really looked like. I had to deliver food to a friend who had just had a baby, and I was driving through one of these 
basically like tropical rainstorms and forded three or four different creeks that had completely overrun their banks and were going across the road and I was nervous that my little Toyota Corolla wasn't going to make it and so I guess the thing that I'm really thankful for is that we don't live out in the county. The county area doesn't have as good of water drainage infrastructure and so that's where a lot of the flooding was happening. The city is better. It's not great but it's better and then I'm glad that I live on a hill near the top of the hill and not the bottom of the hill and that we have a fully functioning sump pump. Basically we have some topsoil and then it hits clay and so the water doesn't absorb very far into the ground. Uh, Our basement probably would have gotten really really wet if it weren't for that sump pump and actually I got really nervous because during that big thunderstorm and then the power went out from 5 in the evening until 11 in at night. Uh, we didn't have power that whole time, which meant the sump pump wasn't working and the rain kept coming. And I kept going down and checking the level and I'm just really glad that as soon as the power came back on, that thing ran for like four minutes straight, just pumping out all oh, the wow. water that was coming in. So it was a little bit scary there that yeah. week ago, but it was also kind of incredible to watch Mother Nature dump on us. And I know talking about the weather is kind of boring, but this was exciting. All right. Well, hey, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Have a question? Have anything that you want to share about how you deal with your summer break? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooljapod. You can also find me on Twitter at Astoria. Follow me on Instagram at chatterboxes and don't forget about our website schooljapod.com. The lovely intro and outro music you are enjoying was performed by my beautiful wife Nikki. And all our sponsors are fake, but our artwork is not. Big thanks to Corey Logan for our fantastic cover design. Find him on Instagram at Corey Logan Art. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us. Thanks for listening. See you soon. I love school, dear. <laughs> <laughs>